Hi, welcome to the Car Measurables podcast. My name is Advita Patel. I'm Trudy Lewis. And I'm Jenny Field. So this week on our news, I really want to talk about the whole going back to the office and remote work. And I, I want to talk about it because I shared something on LinkedIn this week on the back of seeing a tweet from Rachel Miller. So Rachel Miller shared a podcast interview, which was a diary of a CEO, which is Stephen Bartlett, who we've talked about on the podcast before. And he was interviewing Mary Portis, who some of you will know from various television programs and Saving the High Street and lots of things over the years. And in that conversation, she was talking about how we need to get back to the office and how it's good for our mental well-being and how, you know, it's the little things, the little connections that we have when we're in the office that are what, you know, really make us. And I shared it with a with a view that I do support this. I do think we underestimate our need for connection and community at work. And I think our focus on hybrid being about location is misguided. I think it's much bigger than that. And I've, I've written and blogged about that quite a lot. But the, it's the comments on this post that made me want to talk about it this week, because there's clearly a lot of anger out there from people about going back to the office. Like Somebody commented saying, I can't stand this idea that we only get social interactions by being in the office. You know, actually being at home and not being in office means I can have social interactions with the people that I choose to spend time with rather than the people that I've been you know selected for me by someone else and I just find it really interesting and I just wanted to discuss it today because I wasn't expecting probably that level of anger (laughs) to kind of come back about something I wasn't saying that the office needs to stay exactly as the office needs to stay because it doesn't but I do think we need human connection and I just I know you both have seen the post on LinkedIn I just really wanted to See what you thought. You've got the same anger and rage as some others seem to have. <laughs> so I read the post. I was like, "Ooh, I did uh, same." You know, same. Like I didn't recognise that there was so much kind of heat. I suppose around working working from the office as well. And I suppose that's my own kind of privilege because I work for myself and I don't have to go into an office space. But I really, you know, if I take take myself back to when I did work in corporate organizations and I had to go in the office, I actually really cherished, I cherished going into the office. You know, I an internal communicator. I love connecting with folks. I like getting about walking the floor. And I worked in organizations where majority of the organization didn't have a choice about flexibility because they were frontline workers who work shifts, right? And they didn't get a choice whether they work from home or work from or coffee shops and you know that is a privilege afforded to those of us who work in offices I think that you know we do have that flexibility at times being able to go into a space and connect with my colleagues on a physical basis and also walk the floor and have a conversation with others around the organization I felt made me a much better internal communicator in terms of a, being able to advise the leadership and the organization and the communication I was putting together and being able to align myself to what was people were saying. And I honestly don't know how you could do that when you're working full time from home. And you're not, if you work in an organization where you do have frontline workers or you do have people who don't have the choice. I don't know as a when you work in a role like we do, or even if you work in any of those kind of HR, kind of those financial roles, like how do you get to know the organization? if you don't know the organization without going into it because even zoom like there's a there's a bit of a a, there's an order of the way you talk right you don't yeah it's really it's not a natural 
it's not naturally kind of thing as you would if you were having a really kind of animated conversation in person. You know, if I think back to some of the jokes and the laughs that I had in passing with some of the folks that helped me build my relationship with them, I would never be able to do that on, on Zoom or on Skype or Teams. And I mean, they all have a place. And I think for me, my opinion is, and I believe that there's a balance and I don't think there's a place for nine to five anymore. I no. think it's really important that organizations recognize that. But I also think that we do need to kind of understand that in order for businesses, in my opinion, to kind of keep succeeding and attracting the right folks and connections, we do have to consider what that looks like working a few days in the office and then maybe working a day at home when you have to do some thinking time. That's my kind of opinion. Yeah. Trudy? Yeah, I, th- I think what they would call hybrid version. <laughs> what they would call. <laughs> but we don't like the word. We don't, we like, don't like the word, so but we, we have to use it. It's the only but, word we've got and it's the word everybody yeah. understands. <laughs> so I'm using it, hybrid. I think that's the ideal, the fact that there is a balance between doing both. I, I But I do understand the emotion because I think people have, you know, if you if you can imagine... People have, over the past year plus, been a little bit more in control of their space. I think initially people might have found it harder to be amongst people like family all the time. And then they got over that because you get used to it. You kind of, you, you mm. end up, you know, I'm, I'm in everybody. Everybody's in my pocket now. You know, we're all in front of each other. And I've gotten used to a way of working. So you've you've gone into a little almost like a system for yourself. So I think there's a level to which people will be emotive about having to then shift again. Because again, it comes right down to, it's about change. It's something else that's changing. You're asking us to, you know, after being locked away, you're asking us now to get out of our houses, commute, you know, which nobody really likes very much, and and go into the office. Now, personally, I I agree with Advita. I used to work in an organization where a lot of the the elements were essential they had to be out there's no chance that some of these things could be you know you could work from home so as a result to support them in internal comms I had to be on point I had to be there I had to talk to people and I do think there's a it's lacking when you know now when when we can't do that as much because I'm working on a project right now that I think it would be really beneficial if I was in a little bit more and meeting them face to face because of the nature of what's what's being done. So I think it's important that we get back into the office, but I also understand where people are coming from. Mm. I think the thing for me is I have talked about hybrid quite a lot and I've talked about the fact that it's not about, you know, being in the office. I don't know whether people's reactions are to the my comments or to the actual podcast interview, which is, <laughs> which is always the risk, isn't it? Because I feel like I'm having to justify something, but actually it might not be aimed at me at all. I think a lot of more of it is aimed at the conversation. But I do think that, you know, we, we have to have connections and we have to have those random moments where you, you know, spark an idea or you have a quick chat or someone, you overhear something and it sparks something else. If we don't have those and we're cut off from those, you know, research and history tells us that impacts our ability to grow, learn, develop, and actually we can regress, which isn't a good place to be at all. So I do, I do understand 
the the view of you know not having the office open all the time I completely support that and uh, and I've got lots of stuff to say on the matter around mm-hmm. how we can change stuff and how we can work better but it's about thinking way 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 bigger than just offices I think the thing that has surprised me is how strongly people clearly feel about this and how strongly people feel about not wanting to go back to the office now that's not everyone and there are several comments on there saying you know this is about people being able to choose and yes that that is what it should be but in the actual podcast interview what they're talking about is people that have closed their offices completely and how that's not a solution and that's again what I support I don't think people should close offices completely because I do think we need that connection but I just hadn't really anticipated the levels of of I'm going to say anger because it, it feels like that it feels like you know you may we've all read the comments on there and I feel like people are very passionate, but in a very kind of angry, passionate way. And I don't I, I that has surprised me. I didn't I didn't think people would feel that strongly about the offices being open. And and I wonder if there is some element of people being forced back or being told they've got mm-hmm. to come back. And that's not OK, because that's not helpful either. And it's made me, as things always do, want to go and find out more. What are people doing? <laughs> you know, are people being forced back? And I'm, I might do a LinkedIn poll now just to find out. But I do, I'm interested in that because the reaction to it for me was just, it was so strong that it's made me reflect and think and, and try and find out a little bit more about that. Mm, I agree. And I think one thing to also remember is that it has to be, you know, when we, we spoke about this offline just before we chatted, but we also have to think about the kind of diversity, inclusion and belonging part of this. And, you know, I didn't grow up in a family where my parents worked in an office. So my experience of an office was my very first job. And if I didn't know what an office environment was like, if I hadn't gone into that space, then I don't think I would have been really kind of disadvantaged, I believe, in behaviours because, you know, whether we like it or not, there are certain behaviours that a culture within an office has or an Mm organisation has. And you can only learn by learning of others. Right. And I learned a lot from my uh, informal mentors and informal sponsors and folks like you said, you know, when you sit in an office and you hear people talking to each other and you pick up on little nuances and conversations and behaviours. And as a 21-year-old who's never really walked, stepped foot in an office before or understands what an office environment wants, wants to be like, being able to experience that firsthand in a space, in an environment where people are in a community connection is really important. And being somebody of, you know, of colour, for example, as well, and a woman of colour, it takes a time for people to understand your heritage and your background and who you are and what you mean. And I don't think personally, and please do correct me if I'm wrong, if anybody's listening, I do think it's much harder to do that virtually when you're going into a brand new situation. Like people, you generally just talk about work generally, yeah. unless it's like forced social on 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 zoom which is really uncomfortable oh, because you that. don't it's just so uncomfortable because you're kind of waiting your turn and you can't have the side conversations really you might put people in groups but yet you you don't feel that buzz of that room you know you were walking you go to the bar you might get a drink or you go to the coffee station and get coffee and you might bump into someone in the to- like going to the toilets or and you have those two minute conversations they get to know you as a a human being and I think that is why I feel so strongly about making sure that offices don't close fully and have some sort of flexibility so people can belong 
properly yeah. in, in the space that they're in. So we could talk about this for a full episode and maybe we'll bring it back for season four, depending on what's going on. Yeah, uh, I, think, then, but... I think we might have to because you've done a really lovely segue into this week's episode, which is <laughs> yeah. all about belonging, which I mean, it's like we, it's like we planned it, which <laughs> yeah, every, everyone knows that we don't. So um, so thank you for listening. As Abita said, I think this is a topic, you know, we've touched on hybrid on previous episodes. I think this is something that is going to keep going. And I think for season four, it's definitely worth revisiting because we will be much further along in that journey of where people are working and how things are working and and all those things so I think that's definitely one to revisit so that's our weekly news this week and the episode as we've said that you're about to listen to is all about belonging so we hope you enjoy If you want to find out more about how you can work with us you can visit our website which is calmedgedrebels.com here you can find out more about each of us individually and it will also give you links to our own websites which are colinear.co for trudy commsrebel.com for advita and redefining comms for me jenny you can also follow us on instagram and on twitter at calmedgedrebels and you can also follow us individually on twitter instagram and linkedin So if you do want to work with us around communications, consulting, coaching or workshops, please do get in touch. So today I wanted us to talk about belonging and it's an area of diversity, equity and inclusion that I don't really hear many people talk about. And in my opinion, I think it's one of the most important elements of diversity and inclusion. And we just don't seem to address it, talk about it. A lot of the organisations that I work with don't seem to mention it. They talk a lot about inclusion. They talk a lot about people feeling included and, and being heard. But the whole idea for me around belonging is how are you making sure that people can fully be who they need to be in that organisation so they can bring their best self? Right. So there's often these debates, isn't there? And and it'll be interesting to get your points of view that, oh, it's really important to us that people can bring their whole self into this business and can be who they need to be. But the question I really want people to think about is, is that really true? Do you really want people to be their whole self? Because what if that person is, for example, a raging racist? Let's just be honest, right? What if that person has really, really, in my opinion, views that I just don't agree with and probably most of society don't agree with, and yet you're saying to them, we want you to bring your whole self into this business. What I say to leaders is that be very careful about what we mean about whole self, because what we want to talk about is how can you create an environment in your organisation where people can bring their best self in terms of performance and feeling that they can deliver the work that they need to deliver in the organization without isolation. And that's where I think the distinction lies between being able to bring your whole self and yet feeling like you can belong in that space. And there is a difference, right? And 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 I've had a lot of debates and I am thinking out loud while I'm talking to both of you. And it's something that's been bothering me a little bit because we just get so gung-ho on I want it, I want everybody to bring the whole self into this business and you know be whoever they want to be and we're going to thrive and great if you can if you created a culture that align that you can recruit people that align to your values and behaviors that you want people to you know to communicate in that business then yeah you can hand on heart say everybody in this business brings their whole self but we all know from previous experience that recruitment 
and the way people are hired, there's bias associated to it. And sometimes those people don't align to the values. So do you really want them to bring their whole self when maybe they've got such weird, not weird views, but different views? I mean, to me, the weird. <laughs> different views. Or they've got a certain sense of a political stance that they're taking that doesn't agree with, you know, that's unfair. That's, you know, whatever. And it is a bit awkward. And I suppose this touches a little bit on one of the conversations we had on our weekly chats about base camp and when they did the whole nobody talks about politics and nobody talks about mm. society issue because if we take remove that from the conversation then maybe people can bring their whole selves and not not get conflicted so it is it is a meaty topic so it'll be really interesting to hear what both of you think about what does it mean to you to belong that'll be a really interesting way to start so what does belonging mean to you and how do you think leaders and organizations can focus their efforts a little bit around belonging so I'm going to go to Jenny (laughs) (laughs) oh thanks oh I'm sort of furiously scribbling as you're talking I've got so many thoughts so what does belonging mean to me it means that I am welcome and that's probably as as much as I can muster (laughs) on a whim (laughs) Um, because it's it's being made to feel welcome and I think that's whether that's at work or in any situation is being made to feel at ease, being made to feel welcome. And I and I'm as I'm talking, I'm thinking about, you know, home and family and the importance of when you've got guests over, making sure that they're looked after and feel welcome. And in, in that way, it's probably how I'm visualizing it in my own head, that people feel at ease and welcome and relaxed and, and safe. And I think that's what belonging is to me. But it's interesting hearing you talk about the different views and bringing your whole self to work. And, and it's reminded me of a couple of things. It's reminded me of a conversation I had with someone a few years ago where they said, all of this whole self, bringing your whole self to work thing is great. But we've seemed to have, have tipped a, a strange balance where people are more comfortable standing up and talking about their sexuality than they are calling out or disagreeing with somebody in a meeting. And I thought that was quite an interesting observation that in some ways we've become really comfortable about things that are quite private, you know, for people, but being able to say, actually, Advita, I don't agree with you on that point in this meeting. And I think we need to just, you know, loop back round and revisit that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, whereas you'd sit silently and do that silent veto and then talk about it afterwards. So I think your best self piece, I think, is really interesting to explore from a belonging perspective. But then I'm also thinking, as you were talking about the different views and, you know, people might have views that are totally against the the majority but then how do you create diverse workforces if you're only having people there that all agree then it's not going to be that's not that's not the answer either then you're just creating a nice place which is just never particularly conducive to innovation creativity or or growth so there's a lot in there about belonging I know we said before we started this let's you know we'll see how we go and we'll see what there is to talk about now I feel like we're going to be here for days (laughs) yeah I, I think there's probably how it's being framed right because belonging for me is about feeling a part of not being isolated you know being included not being excluded making sure that you're in an environment that you always can speak up you can always have your voice heard and all the rest of it so based on that sometimes it isn't so much about bringing your whole self but it's about having an environment that's accepting where it becomes challenging is where 
say for instance the leader says oh we've, we're, we're going to bring we want people to bring their whole self and again it comes down to language so a couple of weeks ago I think we spoke about power of language it's, it's it comes back to how you've framed it for the individual so you might say I want people to bring their whole self to work but is it that they really mean that they want people to feel a part of the organization a part of where we're going to be included in the purpose and vision is that what they really mean and so it it might be that they need comms people, <laughs> hello, um, to um, <laughs> to define what they, how they should articulate what they desire. And and too many times we take up buzzwords. We talk about things in how it's being presented popularly in in the media and so on. So we say things back because it sounded nice in a in a news article, but it's not necessarily translatable in the organization in the way that it was said in that article so I think it's about coming back to the real definition of what belonging social belonging means which is the removal of isolation and what and however that translates within the organization so it means that people can have a voice people are able to be heard they are recognized as individuals as well as yes aligned to the purpose and the values and they're able to, to not feel excluded from stuff. So they fit in. For years, I've always had that little challenge about, oh, I don't think I fit in, you know, because I've come from different backgrounds or I've, I've come from another country or so on and so on and so on. So sometimes fitting in is, is an issue for some. And within the organization, have we facilitated things so that that person doesn't feel as if to say they're less than the next person? Mm. It's interesting that you said about fitting in there, Trude, because Priya and I talk about culture fit and culture add. And we seem to have this kind of in our in our kind of programmed in our mindset that we need to fit in, you know, to belong. We need to fit in. We need to fit in with the majority. We need to behave in a certain way to belong. And at Jenny's point, which she made before about how diverse can you possibly be then if you want people to have the same views of views as you. Right. And that's a really interesting point, because there will be people out there who have got different viewpoints and different political stance and there will be people out there who don't agree with what you're saying and potentially don't really like you or whatever but where where I kind of look at it is the respect element right and the behaviors that you demonstrate to make that people feel comfortable enough to have an adult conversation that there will be opportunities and times that you probably don't agree with each other and that's okay but let's you know let's not forget what we're all here to do in this organization which is to help the organization grow thrive develop and perform and you know what the colleague that you spoke to a few years ago Jenny who said interesting how people are really comfortable to talk about themselves like private stuff quite openly and quite confidently but then when it comes to challenging others in the in the organization for either poor behavior or in a, a, something that you've not agreed with then it's silence right and it's a bit like oh, I don't quite know I can step into this space because it's a bit difficult and I think that kind of aligns to Trudy's point about culture fit if I speak up and I rock the boat and I cause a bit of a scene about this situation where majority of the room are kind of nodding along and agreeing then it demonstrates that I don't belong in this culture so I am just going to keep my mouth quiet and not say anything whereas an organization that is truly embracing belonging it doesn't matter what you call it in my view it's the behaviors that you are demonstrating to make sure that those individuals can bring their best self to work so whether that is having 
you know, uh, open conversations about what the expectations are and having a clear guideline, whether whether that is not penalising somebody because they have a different view. But, you know, we've talked about people being put on these. And I've been in organisations where people are saying to things like, oh, they're on, they're on that list. They're on that list. You know, just they're on that list. And when people say things like that, you're a bit like, what list is what, what list is this? And it's often it's because they're the people that we're not really going to give an opportunity to because they're disruptors and the hard mm. work and they're not conforming to what we need them to conform and they're not fitting in to how we expect them to fit in but if we just thought a little bit if we lifted ourselves out of this kind of what does it mean let's define it let's understand what it is and looked above it and looked into it and going what richness can we bring to our culture that expands it and allows people to thrive and innovate and develop and connect and not feel isolated and lonely and think that there's no one there on their side. There's a couple of things as you've been talking that have really popped into my head around the whole, when people give you feedback on whether or not you're going to be able to be successful based on whether or not you kind of fit. And it's reminded me of a of being told in one job uh, I was in that I'd never progress any higher inside the organisation because when I'd first arrived in the organisation, I was fairly bullish which would be unsurprising to, to many. And that really knocked me. It was quite a senior person that said that to me at the time. And actually, I went from being the internal communications manager to the global head of comms. So that was nonsense. So I think there's an element of be careful who kind of you listen to and who's might be trying to make you feel like you don't belong when actually you do. So I think there's something about people offering their opinion of, of you and your background or your approach or behavior that can be quite damaging if you let them you know, have that kind of power. The other thing that I always come back to when I'm often thinking about respectful conversations and respectful relationships, which for me, part of this is is about, is when I did jury service. And I remember sitting in the room discussing the, the, the case and it went round the room and everybody was, you know, all in agreement and it got to me and I and I didn't agree. And I said, I'm really sorry. I just don't think I just don't think 100% I'm I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of with you all. And we then had a, a good discussion and debate and we talked it through and and after, you know, a few hours I then did say okay, I can see where you're coming from and but it was, you know, a room full of people that had never met each other from every different background, age, every, you know, there was all the demographics I think pretty much covered and it was such a respectful conversation. There was, I felt very safe to be able to say, you know, I don't agree. And that for me is important, but also the governance that surrounds those conversations. It was, you know, we had to agree as a majority, you have to do that in good conscience. You know, there's lots of things around that conversation that are parameters that you have to follow. And if I think about organisations and meetings, and I often talk about how to run effective meetings and how to be focused and all the productivity stuff that I do. There's so much in the last month or, or two that's come back to this need for that kind of structure and governance so people know people know how to behave in that space and what's expected of them and, and how to get the best out of that meeting conversation discussion. It doesn't matter what it is, contracting those behaviours and what the outcome is, for me, is a real contributing factor to making people feel comfortable that they can speak up and that they they do belong. And I don't think we do that enough. And I don't know that we've thought about it in the context of creating safe spaces and belonging. And that's why having good meeting etiquette is helpful, which is probably something that I haven't necessarily joined those two dots before from a belonging perspective. 
Hmm. There, there is that and how we work you know we're talking about culture again in in a sense because it's how the organization decides to handle that whole area of belonging for for, for the individual and for, to to say here's how we put this across to people here's how we make it very clear and open that this is how you can behave within this organization and this is what you can expect back. So it's the proposition in a sense that you're putting forward to employees to say, this is a safe space. This is an environment where we we welcome transparency and openness, but it's not just a one-sided thing. It's coming from both sides. And that's why, you know, one of the things that was coming into my mind when you're talking is the whole thing of developing inclusive leaders, leaders who have a level of I've looked at my biases. I know what my issues are and I'm able to look at different views, look at different perspectives. I'm I'm able to release people within my organization to have an opinion and to share how they feel about things rather than people feeling as if to say they need to always shut up. They need to always keep quiet. There's lots of secrets. And, you know, like I said, this comes right back to the culture of the organization. How many organizations have I been in where you felt as if to say leadership might be holding some serious secrets and mm. you can't know them and staff then do not trust their leadership at all, their managers at all, because they've never had that experience of an environment where things are welcoming and trustful and all the rest of it. So within the whole sphere of leading an organization, you have to bring it back to, well, where are my beliefs? Where, where do I sit when it comes to my biases? How is that then being translated downwards throughout the organization? And how does that impact the expectations that I have from the people below me and in terms of how they're going to behave back to me? it comes from training it's not necessarily something that you know how to do there there are there's lots of resource around that I know a friend who also does a course on this and it literally is about understanding what inclusive leadership is all about because that I think is one of the key answers yeah. mm. it's not a psychological safety into it yeah. that's what we're kind of talking about here it's it's creating that psychological safe environment where people can truly belong and be themselves without the fear of repercussions mm-hmm. and I think that's that says everything I think the reason some people feel isolated and I, and I read some stats not so long ago saying that up to 40 percent of people who work in organizations feel isolated and feel lonely and feel like they can't you know they don't belong and you, what you just said there Trudy you know that some of it is down to leadership and inclusive leadership behavior it's like are you very conscious as a leader of your team's kind of setup? You know, so what are you doing as a leader to make sure that people in your team can belong and thrive and do what they need to do? And I've heard so many, so many stories from individuals, especially through my leader like me work, where people have been excluded from certain situations for no, I can't think of why there would be, but you know, like things like, you know, we're talking about belonging, it's like Friday night drinks in the pub, right? Mm. Like, let's go Friday night drinks in the pub, uh, everyone's invited. And then somebody would pipe up, you know, somebody who doesn't drink or somebody because of face reasons, somebody who is, is a recovering alcoholic. You know, there's so many different reasons why somebody may not want to go to a pub. Yet as soon as somebody does get the confidence to kind of go, oh, do you know what? I, I can't go to the pub. It's like, all right, we'll see you Monday. See you Monday. You know, and it's about, well, rather than saying see you Monday, why not kind of say, 
oh okay you know whoever let's let's go for dinner or let's let's go and go bowling or let's why don't we uh, go to the park let's go for a walk or let's go and do something what you know what 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 would you like to do that you would like to do with us and then after we've done that event maybe we could go to the pub then those who want to go and it's just about creating that space for people to really connect and thrive and when you're excluded I remember somebody telling me a story about organizing a Christmas party and uh that I can't remember who it was now so the person's going to be listening going that was me <laughs> that was me that shared that story <laughs> but somebody organized a, a Christmas party and forgot that they had people who well don't forgot I think they just assumed made the assumption that the people who were of different faiths in that in their team wouldn't want to come and celebrate right so I'm talking about people of Muslim faith Hinduism I mean that's an assumption it's a massive assumption. Yeah. I've been, you know, I have been, I'm Hindu and I do drink alcohol. No, you no, don't no. love a gin. You don't. <laughs> moderate <laughs> amounts, mum, if you're listening, moderate <laughs> amounts. I'm very sensible. But I do drink, you know, I do drink alcohol. But I have been like, to, like I, people have made assumptions about me and not invited me for drinks or not invited me to different things. And I've had to kind of go, why did you, you know, I find out when I come into work on Monday that they all went for drinks after work. And then when I questioned it, because obviously I'm going to question it, especially when a gin and tonic is involved. I'm <laughs> like, why did you ask me to come along for drinks? They're like, oh, we just, you don't drink though, do you? But even if I didn't drink, you're taking the option away from me. Like you're not yeah. giving me the choice to say, and the same with that Christmas party, you know, so somebody's organised a Christmas party. There's a, there's a few people of different faiths in the team and the invitation doesn't go to them because they make the assumption that these people won't want to go and celebrate with them. And I've had that happen to me. And that horrible, horrible feeling of not belonging and feeling a bit sick, you know, because you you try and convince yourself that you've you fitted in, you know, you've done the things that you need to do to belong in this space and you laugh at their jokes and you kind of smile at their water cooler and you go and make a cup of tea for everybody. And you do all those kind of little things that you do at work. And then as soon as somebody goes, whisper whisper oh better not ask her or she might get offended or is this the right thing to do and then take the decision away from you you instantly know that you are not part of this community Mm. you're not part of this community and you've been othered and you're different and whether that's because of race whether that's because of gender because we can talk about women and men you know so men going off and I know people will say that I've got a problem with this with golfing you know you do because I mention (laughs) golfing all the time but you know when they go and play golf when they go and play Monday night football and and, and doing those team sports but then not having an alternative it's never about you can't do it I never say to folks that oh you shouldn't you can't do that you can't do that it's not about can't but it's what's the alternative for everybody else so if you are going team bonding and making, you know, going off and playing football, where I know people have made decisions about promotions when they go and kick a football around on a pitch on a Monday night, what about everybody else who can't join in in that game? And then when we do question what about women's football, you get the laugh and you get the kind of, oh, whatever, you know, and it's this kind of disregard. And that, again, is a sense of, well, your, what, your, your actions and your behaviours are demonstrating that I don't belong in this community that you've created. There's just so much in there about assumption, isn't there, I think, for me. And, and I was always taught you should never assume because it makes an ass out of you and me. And that's always <laughs> stayed with me. <laughs> and that's purely what, what it feels like it is. There's an assumption based on stereotypes that lead us to, to exclude. And I think I'm thinking back to when I used to work in London and after work, everyone would be going to the pub for drinks. And they'd be going, well, are you coming? Are you coming? And I was always like, no, I, 
I want to go home. <laughs> um, and, and they were like, oh, come on, come for a drink. And I was like, no, I don't like, because actually I just didn't really want to socialise. And that probably was to my detriment. But I was also a bit like, I want to go home and see my friends. And as much as I enjoy working with you all, I've got an hour and a half commute home. And I'd rather go home and see my husband or see my friends than, than sit in the pub and have a drink. So there's also something about your own preferences. And I talk a lot about editing your choices and doing the right things for you. But it's there's, there is, I mean, and this was just, it was always drinks. There was never an option to go and do anything else. And maybe had it been something else, would I have gone? Probably not, because I also quite like a drink. But I think there is quite a, a culture, certainly across parts of the UK, for post-work drinks. But I think it's just that assumption. It's just an assumption that, you know, you will come, you won't come. And I think it's easy to exclude people in multiple different ways. And we've talked about this before. I know when I came to the Diversity in Action conference that you organised a Vita with Priya for a leader like me, and there was lots of talk about leadership and exclusion and inclusion, and and I was sort of listening to everybody talking about all the different ways you can essentially exclude people, because you know if you're not a smoker, you're not going out to the smoking thing and talking. If you're not a mother, you're not dealing with the challenges of childcare, and there's so many ways to feel excluded that actually I think. I think it would be really difficult to create a truly inclusive environment where nobody feels excluded because I think there are so many ways that you can. And I think that's that's particularly challenging. But I think that then brings us almost back to the whole belonging thing. And I suppose the question is, I've gone into a bit of an exclusion, inclusion rabbit hole there. So what is the difference between inclusion and belonging? So, you know, for me, belonging is being able to there's that, there's that um, and, and I've shared it before, you know, diversity has been invited to the party. Inclusion is being asked to dance or choose a music or whatever you want to kind of, because I know there's different, different statements out there and belonging is being able to dance how you like, right? And then if you throw equity in there, equity is making sure that you've got the right transport to get you there. And for me, that's a really simple way of kind of trying to understand that. And, and that is what belonging is. So you may create, an, like you just said, Jenny, you've hit the nail there. Like it's impossible to have everybody feel included in, in the organization, especially when you're working in massive organizations, it's challenging. So you have to make the best decision for the business and what's going to help people thrive. And that's where belonging comes in. Because if you create that safe space, if you create that environment, if you create the right allies and you have those supportive conversations sorry, people, then people are more likely to feel like they belong. They may not agree with some of the stances the organization has taken, but at least they can belong and feel like they can thrive in that environment without feeling excluded from, from the conversation. Yeah, that's right. And I think some of it's around choice and attitude, isn't it, as well? Mm. Because you, you know, yes, it's difficult. You know, everybody's got different preferences. As a result, how do you include everybody? But then there's also choice to say, I'm going to have the right attitude that says my priority is to build relationships and understand people. Because the minute I do that, maybe I'll be a bit wider in terms of the choices of activities after work that I'm going to create, or maybe I'm going to find out what's going on for that person. I think generally as individuals, we're all a little bit lazy, aren't we? We kind of think, oh, well, I, they, they've said no, so I'm not going to bother to check. Mm. I'm not going to bother to ask. And yes, we make an assumption. But I do think, you know, if you've got the right attitude, you can make that choice and say, do you know what? I I know that the person said no, but I'm not going to press them, but I will find out what's going on with them or find out who they are and what's important to them so that at another time, maybe I can include them. Maybe they can find an activity that works for them. So I think there's 
there's something around doing things or choosing to do things a little bit differently in order to to build that culture of inclusivity or that culture of belonging in your organization if that's what you really really intend on yeah. doing because mm-hmm. some people don't some people think you know what I just want people to come to work and go home you know I don't necessarily need there to be any camaraderie I don't need there to be so on but you do so at your own detriment because I was just read I was reading an article where 56 percent who had a sense of belonging in the organization saw an increase in job performance and 50 and, and there was a 50 percent drop in turnover risk for those who had established belonging in the organization they had 75 percent reduction in sick days because there was a sense of belonging in the organization so you know you can you can say to yourself oh it's just fluff you know we won't be doing that at your detriment because it is something that actually impacts performance and profitability so it's it's a real thing actually Um, and so as a result maybe it's about grooming your people coaching your people through to become more inclusive to be to make choices about it and to have the right attitude as they deal with the people in the company and that's not just downwards but that's upwards that's across you know is however you integrate with people within the organization it's mm. an attitude of we want to include everybody well I think you've led us quite nicely into top tips there Trudy because <laughs> Jenny's right we could talk about this subject for hours and hours to be honest but I think for anybody who's listening who is either a leader or is working in an organization and just feels a bit lost in terms of what what can I do to make a difference in my organization what are your kind of top tips in or even like a top tip that people can do to bring a sense of belonging or bring more belonging into that business. So do you want to kick us off there, Jenny? So I've probably got two. I think the first one is is calling out behaviour that is being deliberately ex- exclusive, if that makes sense. So anyone that you see is, is doing things that is excluding others, then speaking up and being a voice to say that's not okay. The other thing is in the book Psychological Safety by Amy Edmondson, which I've been talking about for months now, there's some really lovely examples in there of organisations who demonstrate a psychologically safe culture and just how deliberate they are in terms of the the way things are structured inside the organisation. And there's a lovely example from Pixar in there about how they have these things called, a, I think it's called a brain trust thing. The, the key there is it's very deliberate. You know, they've put processes and ways of workings in place to deliberately create safe organisations that encourage creativity, innovation, growth. And it's the deliberateness that I think we often dismiss or we often don't give enough time for. So mm-hmm. be deliberate and speak up against behaviours that aren't demonstrating employing and inclusion I would say just go back to something Jenny said actually it's just uh, don't make assumptions take the time to get to know the people around you within your department organization don't sit back and think that you know something's wrong with somebody actually find out what's going on it it just starts with one doesn't it you know you just literally need to do it once and say do you know what I've done it with this one person I can do it with another person so it doesn't need to be a policy or or and, and I'd say to any leader looking at some of this you don't need to make these things policies you need to stand by your values and live them and then you need to encourage people to just be human and real and to interact with each other and yeah don't make assumptions 
Amazing, I love that. And I'm going to mention the one person who is our fourth guest, Brené Brown. <laughs> and, uh, always here in spirit. <laughs> always here in spirit. And Brené Brown talks about empathy, right, a lot. And I think one of the top tips I'd give you is to channel your empathetic nature in terms of putting yourself in that other person's shoes and understanding a little bit more about their needs and what they want and not fearing asking those questions. A, a little, little bit of an add-on on what Trudy and Jenny said about of assumptions. And that's where the that's where you get that kind of snowball effect, right? You make an assumption, somebody makes a mistake, somebody makes an assumption, and then they the rumors kind of go around, oh, they don't like that, they won't do that. Let's just and then that person just feels fearful about raising it because all the time they've been there, people have made an assumption about they won't like it and they won't want to be part of this community. So don't do that, you know, be empathetic, ask the questions, and don't fear asking questions. I think that's really important. And the second, you know, the second thing I want to say to folks is think about that safe environment. Have you got a space in your organization where people can go and feel safe and talk openly? And what's your two way channels looking like? Are you a very broadcast heavy organization where you're just telling people lots of things and not really allowing them to feed back up the channel? Because that takes away that sense of belonging when you're, you know, when you're not having that conversation and the two way conversation. And everybody who works in you know, organisations, I hope, are adults, right, and are grown-ups and should be able to have a conversation. So have a look at your channels, have a look at the way you communicate with people. Now you're giving people opportunity to feed back up or feed in or have that conversation. Uh, and the final kind of top tip is, you know, again, right back to the point that Jenny made before about, you know, we feel very confident at times. Now we're in this kind of space where we can speak openly about who we are and what we're about and stand up for ourselves in a sense. But then how much of an ally are you to other people? You know, so I, is it performative allyship? So, you know, you'll say it in a conversation so people don't begrudge you or whatever. But then are you what action are you taking on part of that individual? So are you stepping in for that individual in a meeting? You know, if you do see someone excluded or their voice is not being heard because that's another thing you know when we sit around a table and people are talking are you paying attention in terms of who's contributing to that conversation and if you haven't heard somebody speak in a while regardless if you're a chair or not the chair you might want to kind of interject and go I'd love to hear the viewpoints or Trudy or I'd love to hear the viewpoint from Jenny mm -hmm. because that you're bringing them into mm -hmm. the fold you're allowing them to express their opinion and have a conversation and you're looking out for them, right? You're an ally on their behalf and then we'll see that. And then that little bit of, you know, heartwarming and trust me, we've all been there. We've all ex talked about our own experience of being excluded. When you see a glimmer of support, you can see someone giving you the reassuring nod and the hand holding, and you've got this, mm. things can change for you. And I think just be, you know, whatever your role is, whoever you are, whatever your background is, pay a bit more attention about the people around you and, and how they are reacting to certain things and call out the bad behaviour, but also make sure you're bringing in people on those conversations because they deserve to be heard. Mm. And just be kind. I think that's yeah. so much of it is just, no, I kind. can't say that word because we edited out, but we said at the beginning, <laughs> just don't be a, yeah, and I think yeah. that's, you know, the yeah, definitely be kind. Yeah. Now I'm kind of thinking, can I get Debbie to edit out my gin and tonic comment? So, <laughs> yeah. No, no, that's in for all eternity now. I know it really is. Some families going to listen to that going, oh my gosh, she's such, she's such a lush, honestly. But if anybody does have any questions about the belonging stuff that we've spoken about, because I know it can be a bit of a minefield, then please do DM us and have a conversation with us because we welcome these kind of chats as well. Yeah. And we hope you uh, contribute to our conversation and you'll always belong in our community. Oh, right? that's yeah. nice. That's really that was cheesy, but I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
for listening. If you really enjoyed this episode, then please do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you have any ideas for future episodes, then please do let us know. Thank you.